0: you want to hear a j- No, never mind. You don't want to hear a joke. I know. <laughs> Not yet. Ready?
1: <gasps> Welcome hey, to Wisdom Bites. Hey, everyone. I did it wrong. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hello, beautiful people. Hi, guys. Welcome Hi. to Wisdom Hello. Bites. Hello out there. My name is David Jarzenka and today is Father Craig Friday. Father Craig Friday is the time when we hear from Father Craig. That's right. Father Craig, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, David. How you doing? I'm doing
1: well. We tried to record this episode a
0: minute ago, and we messed it up.
1: Yeah, the, the technology failed us, but it should not fail us this time. That's right. Hopefully. Yeah. Yep. So, Father Craig, last time you started off, off with a joke, and I think everyone loved it. I mean, uh, I loved it. sure you did. sure you did. <laughs> Just, uh, you can see in my smile, but mm. even though I'm groaning, I actually loved it.
0: I have a joke about my my favorite chair. It's my Rory Kleiner. Oh, oh yeah my recliner and i we go way back ah uh, that's dumb okay all right hold on i got another one all right okay. um uh <laughs> this is so bad you have to, this is you have to be a child of the 90s for this one you ready okay uh my friend asked me to stop singing "Wonderwall" to to her i said maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. okay that's right, yeah. uh, no, no. the song right? youtube yeah. copyright
1: hit uh-huh. um brianne <gasps>
0: I've got one for you. you We miss you.
1: I don't know if you knew this, but Brianne would sometimes roam the halls with her guitar and just blast Wonderwall on her own. Yeah. That's her
0: song. Yep. Okay. That makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, do you know why there's, there's no knock knock jokes about America?
1: Because we stole them from the British. No, because freedom rings.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so bad. I love it. Okay. Oh, it's so dumb. I do like that one a lot. I like that
1: one a lot. (laughs) That is a good Uh, joke. Um, Um, so for the first like three years that I knew you, every time I told (laughs) jokes like that, I would actually like audibly boo you. Do you Uh, remember that? Oh
0: Well, no, I block out those things from my memory because I, I only allow good things into me.
1: Like Jesus. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And people who
0: tell me your jokes are great father. Those two things. Those two things. (laughs) I know she loves my
1: jokes. She does. Yeah. And secretly this whole time I have, but I thought it was more, I thought it was funny for me to make fun of you while you're making jokes. And then it clicked one day like, mm. oh, what if he like actually thinks I'm just like hating on like, me? Yeah, what am I? What if I'm just being mean and not not being funny. So mm. yeah,
0: actually you ready. Go knock knock. Who's there? Boo.
1: Ah, <laughs> That was good. (laughs) Boo-hoo. Quit your crying. Uh, Uh, You know that one. Everyone knows that one. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. It's a classic. Uh, Um, Cool. We already did our intro. We already said that this is the time when we hear from you, yourself, Father Craig. Yes. Yep. So, what are we talking about today? Um, Oh, we have a question from a listener Mm, today. We're back. We are. We're going to still keep doing just like the one or two topics thing because then we can talk about it more and uh, get... uh, get into it, but somebody asked about indulgences. (laughs) So Father Craig, what are indulgences? Did Jesus ever talk about them? Are they biblical? And does it have anything to do with Vatican II? Wow.
0: There's a lot of great stuff there. I read a lot of stuff on this. Um, to find out more information, but um, I don't I don't know if my words are the best, so I'm gonna borrow a little bit. So, um, if you want to go and read a really really great document on this, um, the Apostolic Constitution from Pope Paul VI called *Indulgentiarum* and *Doctrina*. Those are the two words: *Indulgentiarum* *Doctrina*. Um, and it revises um, the sacred indulgences and gives new norms of them um, right around the time of Vatican II. And so uh, this is uh, 1967, January 1st, 1967. And it really does a really great job of explaining the theology that we believe about indulgences. And uh, uh, it's really fantastic. Um, but there's a shorter sort of summary that is really good from a Wednesday audience by Pope John Paul II. Um you're freaking me out holding the microphone I, that way
1: yeah well i'm tired of leaning forward um <laughs> shelby if this looks dumb just tell me and i won't do it again but uh, i want to i want to give it a shot you know? okay I'm all right new. all right
0: we got this so pope john paul the general audience um from september 1999 uh september 29th 1999 and um i th- really thought he did a good job um thanks saint john paul II. <laughs> But he, he talks about indulgences as a starting point for understanding indulgences is the abundance of God's mercy in the cross of Christ. So um, he acknowledges this is a, a sensitive subject that has caused some uh, challenges throughout the years. Um, but both um, John Paul II um, in, in this Quick Wednesday audience and then in this uh, Apostolic Constitution, which has a higher teaching uh, weight, um, Talks about indulgences as necessary to the Christian life and having been around since the very beginning. So, let's, let's go back to indulgence, um, indulgentarium doctrina. So he says, it's divinely revealed truth that sins bring punishments inflicted by God's sanctity and justice. These must be expiated either on this earth through the sorrows, miseries, or calamities of this life, and above all through death, or else in the life beyond through fire and torments of purifying punishments, um, i.e. purgatory, right? Um, These punishments are imposed by the just and merciful judgment of God for the purification of souls, the defense of the sanctity of the moral order, and the restoration of the glory of God to its full majesty, Every sin, in fact, causes a perturbation in the universal order established by God and his ineffable wisdom and infinite charity, the destruction of immense values with respect to the sinner himself and the human community. Now, that's a big mouthful. Yes. Um,
1: Break that down a little bit for us.
0: Well, I'm going to steal from John Paul II Um, that helps out here um, a bit more. So um, just to break that down, I think John Paul II says it in this slide. He says, for the forgiveness of sins committed after baptism, the process uh, uh, is centered on the sacrament of penance, but continues after the sacramental celebration. The person may be gradually healed of the negative effects of sin, uh, which has caused in him what the theological tradition calls the punishments and remains of sin. So the point being made here is that um, when we commit sin post-baptism, penance is the normal way of forgiving those sins. We know that, right? Reconciliation, confession, yeah. Yeah. right? All words for the same thing, right? Um, but the effects of that sin, right, remain. The, and here's Father Craig's analogy. Imagine you suffer a deep wound, right? Um, let's say it's... Um, I don't know let's say you have a chainsaw accident okay, <laughs> now, yep. and you uh really get your leg bad right um ouch one of our friends in the seminary did that actually <laughs> <laughs> and he had a bunch of stitches he didn't tell anyone uh, so i won't say his name on the air um <laughs> he's a priest now
1: uh getting the inside scoop on I Father I Creek Friday
0: <laughs> I know but uh, let's say you, you get that really deep wound and, and you've really hit, hit it bad mm-hmm. and you have to go to the ER Uh, the ER is going to save your life and patch up your leg. And Mm -hmm. if there's an artery and you've been able to do that, they're going to put it all back together. Okay. After you leave the ER, your life is saved. Yes. But now you have to fully heal from that. You might have to do some rehab. You might have to rebuild the muscle. You might have to wait for that skin to heal up. There's an effect that continues after that moment. And there's healing that continues to need to happen. And so you can consider like when you have a grave or serious wound going to confession, your life is saved. The eternal consequences of that are forgiven Mm -hmm. and you are now uh, reconciled to God and the friendship with him. But now um, the effects of that sin in you remain and have to be reordered, restored uh, after that moment. And so um, we're we're getting to what indulgences are, right? It has to do with this abundant mercy of of God, right? Um, But uh, so, Um, Let's see. So in this context, temporal punishment expresses the condition of suffering of those who, although reconciled to God, are still marked by those remains of sin, which do not leave them totally open to grace. Precisely for the sake of complete healing, the sinner is called to undertake a journey of conversion towards the fullness of love. And so we now have turned back to God. We've placed our trust and mercy in him, and we've received a forgiveness for our sins. But now the effects or remains of those sins called the punishments of God, right? So that's how we um, explained it earlier. So punishments or remains of sin remain are in us. Now, in this process, God's mercy comes to his, to his aid in special ways. Okay. The temporal punishment itself serves as a medicine To the extent that the person allows it to challenge him to undertake his own profound, profound conversion. So after we are forgiven in confession and yet we have those remains, that can be a medicine, right? Because it tells us that we need to continue that ongoing conversion to God until we're truly one with him. Uh, this is the meaning of satisfaction required to the pen, the sacrament of penance. Mm-hmm. So we want to make satisfaction. So not only are we forgiven, but now there's a movement in us that says, I want to, to the best extent of my ability to make up, um, uh, what has happened in my sins by doing good or doing some work of, of penance or some work of, of charity. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, so this, this is what then John Paul describes all of this in order to say this is now in light of this is how we can understand an indulgence, which is described as a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins, okay, whose guilt has already been forgiven, which the faithful Christian who is duly disposed gains under certain prescribed conditions through the action of the church as the minister of redemption dispenses and applies with authority the treasure of satisfaction of Christ and the saints. So that that remains of sin, that punishments of sin that remains in the person afterwards, um, you, you, uh, you have to, in this life or in the life to come, in some way that still remains yet to be reordered. Right. And so that can happen by your own efforts, by seeking to do penance and to do works of charity. It can also happen by a special means through the storehouse of the treasury of grace, uh, through prescribed actions um, by which we, as the mystical body of Christ, right, can mm-hmm. apply then the merits of the church, Christ and the church and his saints and all this, to that particular person to reorder those things, okay. right? And so that's what an indulgence is. An indulgence is the taking um, from the storehouse of the treasury of grace and applying it to those remains of sin, those punishments of sin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so the church has a treasury then, which is dispensed, as it were, through indulgences. This distribution should not be understood as a sort of automatic transfer, as if we we were speaking of things. It is instead the expression of the church's full confidence of being heard by the Father. When, in view of Christ's merits and by his gift, those of Our Lady and the Saints, she asks him to mitigate or cancel the painful aspect of punishment, by fostering its medicinal aspect through other channels of grace and the unfathomable mystery of divine wisdom, this gift of intercession can also benefit the faithful departed who receive its fruits in a way appropriate to their condition. Right? Yeah. So it's not sort of like a discount in one's sufferings because it requires, right? Uh, it requires of people, the spiritual condition for receiving the indulgence. Right, okay. And so there is still a work that happens, but it happens by another means, another channel of grace from the storehouse and that treasury of grace by which we are connected to one another. So okay. the best example of, of this sort of connection can be seen in the old Adam and in the new Adam, right? By the fall of man, yes, mm-hmm. the first Adam, all are affected. Right. By the redemption of man and the new Adam, Christ, all are affected. Okay. And so, if you sin, it's not just you. You the whole, you know, uh, sinking boat, right? No, as I go, rising tide floats all boats. Yeah. Right. Like the idea is that that um, you know, as you grow in holiness, others around you gain something from that your mm-hmm. holiness. And as you fall in sin, others around you um, lose something from that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, within the body of Christ, this is true as well, where the merits of others can be appropriately applied. To um that effect of sin in the person those remains of sin in the person the punishments temporal punishment of sin in that person okay yeah so that's, that's kind of right. what an indulgence is i know that's um a little heady um but it really there's so much here i was reading through this earlier and um i really wish i could read to all to you more of the indulgentarium doctrina mm-hmm. uh, because there's so many good things in there so that's the first part of the question what is an indulgence does jesus ever talk about them and uh, I would say uh, it's something that comes from, and again, th- this document does address this to an extent, and I would say it's something that comes from uh, a Revelation, but something that is more of a um, development of it. Let me find, see if I can find the paragraph for you. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, this is like as you're talking about indulgences, you're talking about like the transforming of, you know, the human soul to be in union with God and like the forgiveness of sin and like the actual coming of the person to know God and to be like God. Um, And I've had a lot of conversations with people recently about um, different understandings of salvation in like the evangelical Protestant church, for example, and the Catholic church. And this really is so different from uh, the evangelical Protestant idea of like imputed justice or, um, declared justice that, um, it's not that it's not necessarily that the soul is, uh, actually just, but God declares it just, or that like, mm-hmm. um, through the merits of Jesus, like the, the, our, our sin is it's like sort like of a facade.
0: It's just sort of like a ruling, like legal mm-hmm. sort of, um, well, you're guilty, but I'm going to say you're not. And so now you're not, even though you actually were guilty, right? Right. And, and it's not, it really doesn't affect a real change. It really doesn't bring about the restoration um, and the transformation of the sanctification. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or the analogy is always like dung covered by white snow. <laughs> you know, it looks pure from outside, but still dung inside. Yeah. Right. Um, that is, is very far from, from, you know, what the truth is, right? right. Which is that... God really wants the full restoration of man, which is the whole reason He came, right? And so, uh, this this um, language of um, indulgence—well, I should say, um, how do we put it? Like, um, God wants the full transformation of of persons, and so primarily through the sacraments and through penance, um, and then that work has to be continued out by sort of that full. Um, transformation of man. Mm -hmm. This is another way by which um, that can come about in the mystical body of Christ that, that the merits of others, right? So primarily Christ, Mm -hmm. but then also by his gift, his saints can have an effect on me. Yeah. Right. For that work Mm -hmm. and help bring it about. Now I have to be disposed. I have to cooperate with that. That's why there's conditions attached to it. And it's primarily through an act of trust in Jesus Christ. Right. Um, But, we are a family we are connected and indulgences um is is uh, very much the concrete way that we uh, that, that believes that mm-hmm. that you offering sacrifice and and um living a holy life can have an effect on me yeah yeah in a real way absolutely yeah cool. for my my transformation sanctification um i found what i was looking for The conviction existing in the the church that pastors of the flock of the Lord could set the individual free from the vestiges of sins by applying the merits of Christ and the saints led gradually in the course of the centuries, and under the influence of the Holy Spirit, continuous inspiration of the people of God to the usage of indulgences. Uh, which represented a progression in the doctrine and discipline of the church rather than a change. From the roots of Revelation, a new advantage grew and benefit to the faithful and the entire church. So what you're going to find in Scripture and you're going to find the life of Christ is... um, right, the meritorious power of Christ, Mm -hmm. right, uh, to redeem sins and transform the human person and bring them into full communion with God, that he wants to do that um, through communion, the body of Christ connected to himself, right, a mystical body, and that um, we can pray for and intercede for one another. We see this in various parts of scripture. Um, One of the clearest places of this is um, um, St. James, you know, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, Right. Yeah. Um, And so there is this, it's present in scriptures, it's present in the early church, but it develops into this sort of practice where we can uh, take from others who have merited in the storehouse of grace, primarily by Christ and his sacrifice and by his gift to them, that can also benefit me, your brother.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the only reason any of these merit anything, what like you said it primarily through Jesus. And like mm-hmm. the reason that the lives of the saints can merit grace in any way is because, because also, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It, it, without Jesus' mm-hmm. sacrifice, like this doesn't do anything.
0: Yeah. So uh, the next part of this question is, um, does it have anything to do with Vatican two? Um, and I would say, um, I mean, indulgences predate Vatican II by quite a bit. The Council of Trent, for example, Session 25, um, very clearly outlines indulgences. It was a response to the abuse of indulgences, and the Protestant Reformations were primarily, well, in part due to, um, you know, the abuse of indulgences in parts of the Church. So indulgences have been something of the Church for a very, very long time, um, and they continue to remain a part of it. Council of Trent addresses the abuses and asks those to be reported. And then Vatican II um, and some additional reforms. It doesn't eliminate indulgences in any way. Um, what it does is it does some re- reform of those things. And so, um, it issues some new norms, uh, which are pretty neat actually. Um, and talks about, uh, what an indulgence is. It talks about how you can gain those things, um, how you can benefit from those and, and all of the rest. And so, um, Vatican II just sort of continues some of the um, the restoration of the appropriate use of indulgences and and uh, places those in their proper context again in the church.
1: Yeah, one thing that I've read in some older theology books is that uh, certain indulgences they may remove like a year off of purgatory or oh, a month yeah. off of purgatory. We don't use that kind of language at all or not we very d- we often. We do. we okay. do.
0: So there's um, what's called a partial indulgence yeah. uh, and there's what's called a um, plenary. plenary indulgence, which is the full, mm-hmm. full remission of temporal punishment or effects of, of sin, remains of sin. And but would
1: we give a numeric value to a partial indulgence? What do you mean? Um, like like what s- percentage or something? Yeah.
0: Uh, I have not heard that done. Okay. But uh, I am also not all knowing. Sure. Um, I'm not sure that would be helpful either. Well, that's what in 20%. (laughs)
1: So uh, like in, I think it was a book from the forties or fifties. Oh, mathematics. Yeah. um, Yeah. I would say like uh, a month or like a year. Like this indulgence, it's a partial indulgence that will take, you know, three years off of purgatory or whatever. So it wouldn't, I see. Who so knows how long uh, you're going to be there, but
0: <laughs> yeah. So here's one of the norms, a partial indulgence will henceforth be designated only with the words partial indulgence with any, without any determination of days or years. There it is. There you go. That's cool. uh, that's norm number four from indulgentarium doctrina. Cool. Yeah. So the- and I think because it gets you into this sort of scrupulostic legalistic mindset um, especially when you don't know the sum total because only God <laughs> sort of knows that, like that's sort of meaningless in that regard. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, they just designate it by partial from now on. So no longer do the, the mathematical thing.
1: Cool. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, was there anything else that I was thinking of? We hit on the, uh, different understandings of salvation. We hit on the, uh, the fact that, yeah, all indulgences, like the fact, that they mer- or the fact that their works merit anything ever is because of the sacrifice of Jesus, like mm-hmm. uniting them with uh, Jesus. Um, cool. I hope.
0: Yeah. I think, I think I want to address one last thing with that. Do um, it. And I think that's because um, someone would say, well, if Jesus, and this is the common, I think, Protestant objection is like, um, if you can happen through Jesus, why use anyone else? Okay. Right? Like, if, if Jesus is, if it's his thing all the way, why does it matter if we include these other people in it at all? On its face, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's because God wills it, right? That God um, actually uh, wants that salvation wills that salvation would not be just me and Jesus sort of thing, that he wants it to be something that happens when the community of the faithful, that we would be involved in the salvation of one another. And that's part of his gift to us Mm -hmm. that we get to, I mean, he gives us the dignity of being a cause in our own salvation through free will. Right. And in that of others that we can actually help our brothers and sisters. And that's something um, of God's nature, I think, which is the good is diffusive that it shares itself. And so I don't, I don't think that your salvation or be be complete if you were not caring about the salvation of, of your brothers and sisters, and mm-hmm. if you're able to participate in that, that's going to be of a greater. Um, I think it shows forth the goodness of God in a greater way, and then that, that's God's plan, right? Yeah. And so um, God doesn't want to save us without ourselves, right? And He also doesn't want to save us without our participation in the salvation of one another.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that might get lost in the sort of like with indulgences and with like F like praying to the saints or like any of those sorts of things. But it makes sense like very, very clearly with, uh, like evangelization Mm -hmm. that like God could use some sort of supernatural means of like just like communicating grace, communicating knowledge to us of who he is. Mm -hmm. And like we can choose to accept that or not, but he uses much more normal, like natural means all the time of friendships and communication and reading the scriptures Mm -hmm. um, to communicate that and to allow evangelization to happen. There are some, there
0: are some graces that God has willed only to give through prayer and through intercessory prayer. Um, and through um, the care of each other for one another, so God has always willed it, but He's willed it in such a way that it only comes through particular means, right? Yeah, and so it's all according to God's will. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think what we've seen in the, in the life of the church, and I think in Christ's teaching, is that um, we are not apart. Mm-hmm. Right? Isolation is an effect of of the fall. Right. Um, That you would be isolated and that you would be in your own little world and the like. Um, Jesus wants to connect us to himself and to the whole, and he wants to build a body, a mystical body, um, and has done so. And he wants to build a kingdom, not like individual kingdoms, right? He wants to build a kingdom, Mm -hmm. right? And so there are some graces and some things that God has only willed to give through prayer and intercessory
1: prayer for one another. Very good. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Father Craig. That was awesome. Um, I learned a lot today. I did too. I hope you learned a lot today out there. Um, If you have more questions for us, we love answering them. Um, So please send those in to podcast at txtatecatholic.org. And if you're not plugged into all the great things happening here at Our Lady of Wisdom, uh, check out our Instagram at O-L-O-W-T-X-State. Shelby's putting out all sorts of great content to uh, keep everybody updated and involved and... um, Yeah. So go there and then stop on by and come talk to us and pray with us. And let's be a big, happy family and community.
0: (laughs) All right, Barney. Uh, I love you. you All right. We are family our lady of wisdom pray for us <laughs> we need it
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow that was uh, that, that was, was a tough close. yeah i know yeah.
0: hey wh- why don't skeletons go trick-or-treating <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a body they have no body to go oh. with.
1: <laughs> you ruined the joke david all right <laughs>